Thank you so much for joining our session. We're delighted that our abstract was selected for the blockchain academic track, and we're eager to share our passions about research data sets as assets, blockchain-based valuation, and transaction methods. I am Wendy Charles, Chief Scientific Officer at Burst IQ. I am Brooke Delgado, Director of Finance at Burst IQ. While we are both Burst IQ employees, we wanted to emphasize that this is not necessarily representative of Burst IQ, and we use some logos in our presentation, primarily of Conv2x, to show our support for this conference. We'll be talking just a little bit about the work that we do, but it's intended to be educational and not promotional. So as a little background about data as an asset and data valuation, it's valuable to consider how this economy arose. So life sciences organizations need a tremendous amount of data for a few major drivers. Now, the first is for them to identify potential market opportunities and branding and sales, but also to create new products and new innovations. And an emerging effort was established in 2016 by the FDA, which emphasized the value of real world data to be used as real world evidence in support of new indications, for example, or for these health data to be used as control groups in research studies. To access information, there are a few different types of health information to be aware of. One is fully de-identified, which means in the United States that the 18 identifiers as labeled by HIFA have been removed from a data set. A limited data set allows indirect identifiers, such as dates of birth, dates of service, and geographic geocodes, but um, none of the other identifiers, and this type of limited data set can only be released under a data use agreement. Identifiable data are released under a business associate agreement with an entity or as part of a research participant's a waiver, excuse me, authorization for participation in a research study where they agree to share it with collaborators or with sponsors. Now for some emerging sources of health data are data marketplaces where patients themselves can sell their own health information and hopefully receive some monetization or organizations are selling data such as Cerner or United Health Group and Optum, which sell de-identified data sets or Life sciences organizations have been buying data companies in order to gain access to that information, such as when Roche purchased Flatiron Health to obtain uh, information about oncology. And now Brooke will share with us some different methods for which the data can be valued. Thank you, Wendy. We are talking about data sets as assets. And when doing so, we want to remember that there are two kinds of, of ways to value assets. There's assets as it provides value to you as an organization, but there's also assets that are on the balance sheet of a company's financial statement. For the purpose of this presentation, we're specifically talking about the assets that bring value to you as an organization. Wendy was just talking about marketplaces and in marketplaces that will tell us what the fair market value of an asset is. It's just what someone is willing to pay for a data set or data set asset. When you're determining the value of data internally, you can look at three approaches. You can look at the market approach, the cost approach, and the income approach. The market approach says, what does a similar data set sell for on the open market? And that will help you determine the value of the data set you have in your organization. There's also the cost approach. This is how much did it cost the organization to accumulate the data? 
This includes the R&D costs and preparation costs. The income approach is uh, wanting to know how much is the revenue generated by this data bringing into your organization. And use, utilizing all of these uh, approaches can help you determine what the value of data is to your organization and the fair market value. Some considerations uh, to, to have when you're determining your valuation is the demand for the data. Is if there's a high demand, there's going to be a higher price. You also wanna look at historical costs. What does the historical value of the data tell you about the data in your company? Um, the replication costs. If data is lost or needs to be replicated again in the future, you may not have to repeat some of the original costs such as R&D and original preparation costs that were occurred. Next, I'm gonna talk about some factors that can influence data value as you're valuing it for your organization. Some variables, um, for example, are number of records and age of data. Both of those will determine the value of your data. Wendy talked earlier about identified and de-identified data. In life sciences, identified data can be more valuable because you can then target and recruit individuals for specific research. We have raw data and clean data. Raw data is data in its original form that has not been quality controlled or cleaned. The process for cleaning data can be costly, which can add value to having clean data. All data, are, all data valuations are based on assumptions and we need to assume certain things in order to determine the valuation. We need to know how many people are going to adopt the data, not just externally, but internally in your organization. What's the growth rate of that adoption? And what are the future cash flows we think will be generated from having this data in our organization? We talked about data on the open marketplace we talked about um, data valuable internally as an organization, but there's also another valuation out there and that's the value of data on the dark web. So social security numbers, for example, are selling for about $5 a piece on the dark web. Medical records can sell anywhere from $1 to $1,000, depending on how complete that electronic health record is. And there's also corporate information such as intellectual property and emails that are out there on the dark web that are bought and sold. All of this creates value. We wanna give you an example now of a, a life sciences example of how health data for services is used. In this example, we have a medical center that has raw data. They're taking that raw data and de-identifying the patient then sending it to a life sciences company to create algorithms and analytics. And then the life sciences company is sending it back to the medical center. A lot of value has been created in that exchange. So you wanna to put together a few of the valuation approaches in order to determine the fair market value. For the market approach on the medical centers, um, the medical centers approach, the market approach, can, you can look at what does de-identified de data trade for on the open market today? For the cost approach, you can look at what were the costs associated with cleaning and de-identifying that data. On the life sciences company side, you can look at the market approach. They're using research tools that they provide to medical centers and other um, commercial entities 
what's the value of those resources that they're using for, um, for the data that they're sending back to the medical center. All of those combined can be helped to determine um, the fair market value. We do wanna give credit of this example for uh, to Rick Schwartz and his colleague. He presented this example during a presentation in 2020 that we thought was worth repeating here today. Wendy, I'll hand it back to you to talk about how blockchain plays a role in data valuation. Thanks. Blockchain is used as a backend technology for many of these data marketplaces in order to enable many of those features that we are very fond of when using blockchain today. This is only a sampling of blockchain-based data marketplaces that are already in existence, and they each offer something a little different. So, for example, Burst IQ offers automatically uh, the ability to perform data modeling and graph modeling as part of these data analyses to perform more insights, whereas others share values with patients or create tokens as part of the data exchange. Again, this is just a sampling, but it's encouraging to see how much development there has been in the blockchain-based data marketplace. So when we go into considerations in just a moment, we thought it was helpful to first go through an example that you're probably familiar with. So in 2018, Google partnered with Ascension Health, which is a large healthcare network based in Missouri, um, to exchange uh, information for algorithms. So Ascension Health agreed to share complete health records for its 50 million members with Google, who designed algorithms in return. And when patients checked in for their visits, their information was collected and a lot of identifiable information was shared with Google, including their health records for Google to provide services to the health organization. The concern that arose from this relationship was that patients were not aware of this relationship, nor were the providers. In fact, it raised so much controversy that the leaders of these two organizations had to submit to a congressional investigation and explain how they were still protecting patients' rights and their health information. This was done all legally under a business associate agreement which leads to our consideration that what is legal is not always ethical. And among those ethical considerations that we encourage you to consider for, for data exchanges and marketplaces is what can be the perception of the exchange and whether this is something that individuals could have anticipated under the informed consent terms or within the privacy policies that organizations set in order to protect the health information. Were patients given control or visibility is another thing that you should consider as to how you design a data marketplace. Of course, there are many health regulations that apply depending on the country. In the United States, we have to adhere to the HIPAA privacy and security rules, but there can be other privacy legislation in other jurisdictions that also protect the health information. And in the US, we have to make sure to avoid concern about the Stark law which and anti-kickback laws, which prevent payments to go to physicians for promises of referrals. Among our data considerations is to thoroughly plan and protect the privacy and security of the health information and design who can access the information and what level of information and whether any of the, the contributors have any control over how the information is used. <clears throat> 
And the last major consideration about the data is the real risk of re-identification. It's increasingly easy to link data sets to identifiable information. And this is particularly of concern with genetic information. So genetic information can't be completely de-identified because of the nature of the information itself, which can reveal sensitive characteristics about the individuals. And where this becomes particularly problematic is that genetic information also reveals information about their biological relatives, who are certainly not aware that their information is being shared and used. And now Brooke will share more about considerations of data ownership. Thank you, Wendy. Health data ownership, who owns patients' health data? Typically, the organization that maintains or provides care behind an electronic health record owns that electronic health record. The exception to that in the United States is the state of New Hampshire, who has passed legislation to allow patients to own their own health data. Ownership is a legal construct that allows an individual or an entity the right to use patient health data. Uh, some agreements that are put in place in order to do that, um, there's licensing agreements to give you the right to use. However, when considering licensing agreements, understand that that does not guarantee exclusivity. Because data is a digital intangible asset, it can be licensed multiple times over. We also have intellectual property. Can data be IP? Not always. Data that represent facts cannot be classified as intellectual property, but data research approaches and findings can be considered intellectual property. There are also copyright laws available for annotations of data. There's also NFTs. NFTs can be created um, as digital assets. An electronic health record can become an NFT. A medical scan can be tokenized. This can all create ownership of an NFT, but it's important to remember it does not protect anyone against others misusing or selling that data. Wendy? Thanks. And another consideration is how would you monetize data? There are lots of considerations for different strategies and different approaches for how data are used. So the first consideration in life sciences is that there is a lot of data aggregation and a lot of queries to determine feasibility. So would you monetize if data are used in a query, even just to determine feasibility? Or how about research and development pricing? It may take 10 years for uh, an initial analysis of data to lead to a marketable product. Among partners who get together and share and aggregate data, there are opportunities for them to determine methods of splitting the profit or splitting the costs. But then how do you consider nonprofit organizations that may not have the same margin? Of particular interest, we wanted to share with you two types of value splits that can take place among the kind of complicated life cycle involving health information. So the first is the horizontal value split where we could consider the cont contributions of all of the parties that actually create health data. Of course, there's the patient who it represents, but there's the provider who makes the diagnosis or enters the information or the hospital that maintains it or the insurer that pays for health information. There are also considerations called a vertical value split where there could be differential payments. Do you pay more to individuals or organizations that contribute more quality 
more data, or more visits. So these are all complicated considerations that should go into monetization. In conclusion, we hope that you take away some of these recommendations about how best to move forward responsibly. First, with regard to data, there are blockchain-based privacy methods that are unique that offer additional protections for data beyond traditional database methods. Now, zero-knowledge proofs and homomorphic encryption are still being developed, but they offer promising approaches for being able to utilize data without sharing identifiable information, as well as the federated learning that's being used for drug development or even development of synthetic data where identifiers can be substituted with a different value that doesn't share the identifiable nature of the information. Or providing individuals and organizations more control and automating the flow and monetization for the efficiency of these processes. Among the ethical recommendations, we strongly urge organizations to create very clear informed consent terms and privacy policies and engage the community with the goals and what are the potential benefits to the participants. And last, because these are such complicated concepts, we encourage organizations to seek legal advice for defensible methods of data pricing so that they reflect fair market value, as well as review of contractual agreements to ensure that they meet the true intent and control, as well as when Brooke talked about NFTs, any development of a token, we recommend you get legal advice to ensure that it doesn't run afoul of any regulatory considerations. So finally, I hope that from the things that I shared that you can take away that health data marketplaces are increasingly used and that these involve complex data planning and can automate and implement data management. And my takeaways are that I want you to know that a new data economy is emerging and it's out there. We also recognize that data are assets and they add value to an organization. When you're considering data valuation and assumptions, it's always good to validate that through the fair market value. Thank you for watching our presentation. We provided our email addresses so that you could reach out to us afterwards. Please do contact us with questions or a desire to continue the conversation. We wish you all the best practices as you consider data assets as and monetization.